Welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. Today, we're going to be talking further about what has been labeled as the great resignation. This is the phenomenon that's being reported, an unintended consequence of people working from home in large numbers, having more mind time to themselves when they're working from home and becoming a little restless career-wise, I should say. We're going to be talking with Amy McLaren. She's the author of a book, Passion to Purpose, Seven-Step Journey to Shed Self-Doubt, Find Inspiration, and Change Your Life and the World for the Better. I think Amy uh, hit a crossroads a few few years ago where she found herself in that thinking spot that many of the people involved in the great resignation are now sitting. She did something about it. Welcome, Amy. Thanks for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Um, I, I'd just like to jump right in and, and hear about your story of when you started thinking and became a little career unsettled or restless and what you did about it. Yeah, for sure. So um, today I'm um, an entrepreneur of three businesses that are all founded around my passion, um, but it didn't start that way. Um, I started out as I, a teacher. So I was a grade one teacher for 10 years and here in Canada, teachers are really well-respected. It's a great career um, was like perfect, right? So I did teacher's college in Australia. I came, I um, entered the teaching world and I taught grade one for 10 years. And over that 10 years, I could say that I liked it, but I didn't love it. It was like, I came into it. You know, I have, I know it sounds really bad. Summer's off. I had Christmas off. I had a pension. It like ticked all the right boxes that you know, most of us go for when looking for a career. And um, so I, I was in that spot for about 10 years. And towards the end of that 10 year period, I started to really lose like the joy in it and the love in it. And it became like every morning, like I was more looking forward to the socials. I was organizing with the staff than like teaching. And I mean, I loved the kids. I love kids and I did, but it just became to me like, a bit of the same thing every day. And like inside, I kind of was like, I miss the, tra I still travel. We still travel a lot as a family and I still did then, but I was missing those international travel connections that I had growing up where, you know, I was living with other communities abroad and, and learning about other cultures and, and having the flexibility to go in with my husband when he would get speaking engagements. When I was teaching, I couldn't go. And I was beginning to feel really trapped in one spot and not being able to do these other things because I had to, I had to work. I had to go, go to the night if I didn't have that flexibility. Um, and then it, yeah, it just started to kind of really manifest and like not be good. And, you know, you get, get a bit of in a rut and you're like, is it a rut? Like maybe I'm just in a rut and it's, but then it kept going and I just wasn't satisfied. And, um, I just, my husband and I would talk about it and he has always been an entrepreneur. And I kind of said to him, once we had our daughter, I'm like, we need to, I need to figure out something else because I'm really not fulfilled. And, and I share this in my book of like, when you're truly doing something you're passionate about and you like it, it brings out the best version of yourself. 
And I was beginning to feel like I wasn't the best version of myself for my kids, for my husband, for my community. You know, I was, I was unhappy and I didn't want to be unhappy anymore. And once we had our daughter, um, I went part-time and started diving into some entrepreneurial things and then eventually full-time, but it was definitely a few years to make that shift, but I was just tired. I was tired of like, I wanted to love things. Like I liked it Mm -hmm. and I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. It didn't light me up like it used to. Yeah. And and so you had been teaching for 10 years when this epiphany came along. Yeah. So it had been, it had been 10 years and the school I worked at is amazing. I still keep in touch with a lot of the community and the staff that I worked Mm with. Mm -hmm. Um, But during that 10 years, I was also dabbling a little bit in giving back and having an impact. And um, growing up, I was always, uh, I was a part of an, obviously part of an amazing family. I love my mom, my dad, my brother, but we would go to, you know, um, soup kitchens and um, homeless shelters. And we would do all these things to give back and travel when I was little. And that thread of like traveling and giving back was still there. And we still did that as a family, but I found that really lit me up and I wanted to do, I wanted to do more of it. Um, so while I was teaching, I was kind of helping my husband build his business on the side and dabbling a bit in that. And then like dabbling and starting this nonprofit that I wanted to start. And, um, our, for us, the really fork in the road came or when I changed was we were sitting on a couch. Um, it was a Friday night, nothing exciting. We were watching Oprah's big give. And at that time, like that show was amazing. She went into communities, she transformed communities, and I, I just said to my husband, I'm like, that's what I want to do. Like, I, I want to go into a community abroad like I did growing up and, and just be with this, these communities and help these communities, but also learn from them and work together to create change and, and just learn about myself and like push myself out of my comfort zone and, and have more challenges because I felt like I was doing the same things all the time when it came a little bit to teaching. So, um, yeah, we we watched that show and and I said, let's do it at Christmas. Like, let's go away. Right. And let's go somewhere and help these communities and work with other communities, get to know other cultures. Um, and my husband just looked at me and he's like, but Amy, when do you want to do it? And I was like, well, Christmas, um, because at that time being a teacher, right. You're only allowed to go away at two, two of the most expensive weeks to travel sure. <laughs> like, for Christmas. Right. And so we, um, I'm like, well, it's got to be Christmas. So we we did and we created a webinar. We invited some of our entrepreneurial online friends to share their predictions for the next year for their businesses. And people paid to be a part of that call. And we raised $14,000 in like two days. It was crazy. So we took that money. We went down to El Salvador. We helped an orphanage. We lived with a community on top of a mountain for two weeks because I couldn't do any longer. I wish I could have stayed longer for two weeks and learned about them and their families and spent time with them. And um, that was really the start of realizing that I, I wanted to go beyond the classroom. I wanted to go outside of those four walls and go back to kind of my roots of, you know, helping others and learning from other people. And that kind of led to another fundraiser. And then as my nonprofit grew, I'm like, okay, I can, I'm going to walk now from teaching. Like I'll do it part-time, but our other business is also growing at the time. So I went part-time and then enjoyed the flexibility, right. And like being able to do these different things and go to Kenya when I wanted to. Um, And then eventually um, I resigned from teaching and now 
I run my nonprofit and two other businesses um, as well. But that was really the start. It's like, I think you have to take action, right? You have to, when you're clear on something, you have to move. You have to begin to take a step forward because if you don't, I mean, nothing happens. I mean, I could have sat on that couch and watched Oprah's Big Give and said, yeah, I want to do it and I'm going to do this and then, and if, and then not do it. And then we wouldn't be where we were today. And today, like, you know, we've, I'm really proud to say like, we've raised $8 million in 10 years, but it's not about the money, right? It's, it's the impact that we have been able to have because I got off, off the couch and we tried and it didn't work at the start. It failed at the start. There were some things that didn't work out, <laughs> but we kept moving forward and it all started from a glass of wine and sitting on the couch and just deciding to, you know, enough, like let's move and let's do something bigger. That's such a great story. Here's what I love about it. I love the starting point that you were able to sit down and identify what it was that moved you, what it was that um, moved you closer to fulfillment. And it, mm-hmm. it, it was okay. I mean, you're in a great job. You, you, were, you were in a, a contributing, I'll say, job. Um, but you wanted more and you were able to sit down and identify that you wanted more fulfillment out of it. Um, And then you started with one step, a small step to Mm -hmm. move toward your, your, what gives you more life and fulfills you in a bit in, in a bigger way. And, uh, and uh, the other part that you just kind of threw in there, maybe you could expand on this a little bit was, it wasn't immediately successful. You've, you've, you've found some failure along the way, but you stayed the course and, and, and punched through. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, to, um, yeah, it was difficult. Like at the start, like you look at, you look at us today and what we've accomplished and I'm super proud of our team and like the community and everyone that um, I work with, but yeah, it didn't start that way. Like I said, it started on the couch. So we did the trip to El Salvador. We came back. And we're like, okay, yes, we're going to do this. And at that point, I didn't know how to start a nonprofit. Like I didn't even know anybody that owned a nonprofit. So I Googled and ended up connecting with a lawyer in Toronto. And, and he said to me, he's like, do you want, do you really want to start a charity or do you want to do a foundation? And, it, and there's a difference between a charity and a foundation. So a charity is a corporation. It's a business in a sense. Um, and then at, at foundation, there's no receding. It's a, it's less work in a sense, like still impact, but less kind of obligations and responsibilities. Um, so I said, no, I, I do want to start a charity, but it took me two years to get status. And it took, yes, in Canada, it takes so long. And I remember, you know, being so disgruntled and like, oh, I don't know if I want to do this. Like, this isn't happening. And people were asking about it. Like, have you got your status yet? And I'm like, no. And it got to the point where every time I called the government, I had like my little booklet and I would write down like who I spoke to, what time I spoke to them and what they said about my, my status or my application. So then every time I called them, I opened my book and I'm like, oh, I spoke to Phil on, you know, April 2nd. And he said this, and, um, and I think they honestly got annoyed because I started calling like every other day and then they would ask me to do this and that. And there's so much, there's a lot more red tape, um, in Canada than I think other places to get the status, but we did. And I got the status and then we went to, um, Ghana and we've always had a heart for Africa. I can't, 
explain why. I, I don't really know. My husband and I both have. We, ha we actually have a 10-year-old daughter, a biological 10-year-old daughter, and we adopted a little guy from South Africa when he was one. Really? Now, yeah, he's now seven. Um, but both of us have had this heart for Africa since we met. Um, and so the set, we went to, after El Salvador, we went to Ghana. And that was where we learned a lot too, because we went and I felt like I was putting band-aids on things. Like it, I came back from that trip and I was a bit like, that didn't feel right. Like, I'm glad that we did it and we helped, but the relationship building and the community initiatives and just working with other people that I, that fills my bucket and what I love to do wasn't there. Um, and there were some questions about where the money was going and like, it didn't feel good. So we came back and you got to remember, this is like three years later. <laughs> this is, you know, this isn't like, oh, next month I decide this is like all in the process of figuring it out. And we kind of came back and we're like, well, what do we do now? Because to run a successful international nonprofit, you need good connections. Like with any business, right? You need good people and trustworthy mm -hmm. people and people that you can collaborate with and like work with. And um, so then we, end, we ended up going to Kenya and that's where we are today. And we met a lovely lady named Irene. She is now our partner and she has her own nonprofit in Kenya as well. So we work together. So whenever I send money from our nonprofit Village Impact, it goes to her and then she helps distribute the funds. So we collaborate together. We work with our team together. Um, and it feels so good because we're so community driven. We're working with the government. Every school we build, we partner with the government. So they provide and build the schools. And oh, no, sorry, we build the schools. They provide the teachers and the principals and essentially run it. And that was a huge thing for both my husband and I was that if we were to walk away today, you know, all these kids would still go to school. It wouldn't crumble. It, it, and that was so important. I think that's key. And um, I'm, I've learned so much about myself <laughs> as much as like they've learned. And we've just really learned together as an organization with our contacts in Kenya and, and our little team here in Canada and the US and um, mm -hmm. we've been able to do some awesome things but it was definitely like getting that status was hard and then mm -hmm. you know just trying these different things and it's like action brings clarity right and we when we were in Ghana we were putting all these band-aids on things and I'm like what are we doing like it doesn't feel right but it got us to the point where we are now to kind of circle back around and go back to education and that really was the root of where it started but we got so distracted and helping in all these other ways. And then I'm like, hold on a minute, like let's bring it back to why we started and go back to the education part. Um, so we circled back around a couple of years later, but that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't done anything, right? Because the right. more action you take, the more clarity you find. And sometimes you might even realize you don't even like it and that's okay. Like I could have gone far and it's like, Life, nothing's set in stone, right? Nothing you can right. create and change and be flexible, but until you actually take action and move forward on something, you don't know what can happen. You don't know what opportunity is there, or you don't know, you know, what door it could open. That is such a key takeaway. I mean, uh, strategists, if you're out there and you've hit this thinking place, this place where you've had time to sit down and contemplate your future, and you've identified something that stirs your soul and uh, you think can lead to deeper fulfillment in life. Um, I just think that's so key. They take action part, do, do, do a small thing, do yeah. just move. 
just move. And I, I think the thing is too, and, and part of my book, I write about fulfilling you, right? And like for me and, and my husband, um, I mean, I'm more of an, a bit of obsessed traveler. Like I'm more of an adventurer, I think, than he is. Well, I know I am. Um, <laughs> but it's like, it comes with filling our buckets. And it's, you know, I talk about in the book where, you know, Jonathan Fields calls them good life buckets. And for Stu and I, we sit down every year and we look at our buckets and we look at what fulfills you. Not what fulfills you because your mom said so, not what fulfills you because society says so, or your job says like what ultimately fulfills you. And you've got to kind of look at that and break them down into these buckets and then make sure they're getting filled, right? So Mm -hmm. like when, when it comes back to our nonprofit, you know, I always had that love for travel and and going overseas and and giving back. And that's always been one of my buckets. And so we were always trying to look for ways to fill that bucket a little more. So I'm, I'm, ha- I'm a happier, more, <laughs> more myself, right? Or more what I want to do. So I think it's important when you're taking action, before you take action, just make sure and take a moment to look at your life and put them like into buckets. So for example, like some of my buckets yeah. are, you know, giving back and family and travel and health. And then my husband's buckets are a lot of the same ones but his are business and nature. Like he has, he loves being outside. I do too, but that is a bigger priority for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's looking at, you know, what, what do you want to put more of into your life and identifying them, filling them and then taking action and then seeing what opportunities can come up from that. Right. Do you have any pushback, any naysayers besides the bureaucracy of the oh. government? <laughs> yeah, like we, um, yeah, like in the, in building our nonprofit, um, a few, um, but then also um, I've had naysayers in my life when I adopted my little guy, like, you know, he, our adoption journey was eight years, like eight years we waited to adopt our son. And there were a lot of naysayers in, in that and people saying like, why are you adopting overseas? You should adopt domestically. Like, why are you still waiting? Have more of your own. And I'm like, but no, I don't, I don't want more of my own. Like we want to adopt and that's what we've always wanted to do. Um, And then I've had, you know, I've had a lot of self-doubt creep up on me when I speak on stage about our nonprofit and when we were, what we were doing about our nonprofit and um, a few ways that I've kind of battled that because I think that self-doubt piece of like, you know, when you get the naysayers and then you begin to think like, am I worthy of that? Or should I do that? Or, you know, and you begin to, you begin to question it, right? Like I, at one point at the adoption, I'm like, should I be doing that? And I let these other people, so their stories kind of get into my head and change my thinking. So I think when you're going through um, not hard times, but you're like, powering towards what you want to do, and it is different um, than the society puts out, you've got to remember that you know, one thing I always say to myself is I've done hard things before. You've got to remember what you've already done, because I think right. if you're at a point right in your business and you're you're doing something different and then all of a sudden you get people, you know, well, why are you doing that? Maybe you shouldn't do that. And um, but then you've got to remember when you're talking to them, you've done hard things before, like you've done it before or maybe you've done something similar before. Like mm-hmm. when I um, when I speak on stage, my husband is way more. Um, he, he, he speaks on st- more stages than I do and is way more comfortable with it. It's not really 
my jam, but I, I do it to get out of my comfort zone and push myself each time and to show my daughter what's possible. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. I do it. Mm-hmm. But then every time before I'm like, okay, I've spoken to people before I've done this before I can do it. It's no different. Like, and then I remember, I remember like I've been on a stage before and I've literally fallen off a chair. Like I've, I've been on a nice dress. I've had this nice dress on. It's in a stool. It was in Dean Graziowski's stage and there was 4,000 people and we come out and we're talking about the charity and we're on these little stools and I already shake like a leaf anyway, times that by a thousand because I just get so nervous and I'm like on the stool and I kept like sliding down the stool and I was like, oh no. And I kept trying to move up and I kept sliding down and Dean's like, Amy, like, are you okay? And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm great. And meanwhile, I'm thinking in my head, oh my goodness, like this only been one minute and I've got 45 minutes and I'm trying to like tell the stories and like share about our nonprofit and running a business as a family and all that stuff. But, and then, so we're sharing. And then a few minutes later, the crowd just starts cheering. And I'm like, why are they cheering? Like, it's not really a, you know, a cheering moment. Right. And then I see his staff come, one of his staff came out with a big chair for me to sit in because they, they were watching me struggle on this bench in my dress. Oh my gosh. I know, so embarrassing. But I remember those funny things and I'm like, you know, I, I've been That's through great. I've done it. I can do it. Um, and then I think another tip just quickly is um, kind of goes on what I mentioned earlier, but it's just remembering that um, remember to live your story because oftentimes other people's stories and other people's views come to you and they're that's their story it's not your story so for example like um my friend Alyssa um she was my trainer for a couple of years and she was like 10 years younger than me and I was doing one of these adventure trips for one of my businesses where we were riding motorcycles across Morocco. And it does, it was a bit crazy. (laughs) She's like, I'm like, you should come. And she's like, yes, yes. Like I want to, I'm like, I'm like, perfect. And then the next day I go to her and I'm like, okay, this is where you deposit the money and like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh no, I can't, I can't go now. And I'm like, well, why? Like, how come? She's like, well, She's like, I really, really want to. And she's 20, 28, right? 29. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? And she's like, well, my, my dad said I can't go. And I'm like, I don't, I'm like, I'm like, what? Like you're 28. And she's yeah. like, well, I didn't say that to her, but like, she's you yeah. know, okay. Like that's fine or whatever. And then we go, we come back and she's like, I'm so bummed. I didn't go. And we talked about it. And that's the thing. She was living her dad's story, her dad's fear, right? She's not, she wanted to go, but this fear had been passed on from her dad. Mm -hmm. It was probably passed on from like his mom. And he, Mm -hmm. for him, like travel, he's a phenomenal guy. Really, He's helped me like with stuff in our house. Like he's great. But he, for him, travel is Florida and home and like up north in Muskoka. Like that's what he loves to do. And that's where he feels secure. And like, he's not really into adventure and travel um, and international, but she, um, I think she, well, she, she is, but she let other people's fears and other people's stories and especially her dad's story stop her from doing what really lights her up and what brings her joy. So I think you've got to make sure that you're not, make sure it's your story and you're doing like, what you're doing is your, you know, your purpose and brings you joy and it's not somebody else's and don't let anybody, all those naysayers and the people that question you, it's, it's not you, it's them. It's the stories that they're telling themselves 
that then they're kind of sharing, <laughs> sharing with you. So you've got to right. be mindful right. of who you talk to, right. And who you connect with, because we've got to fill our brains with, with good things and right. not to say not, I mean, it's healthy to go through hard things and that as well, but you really, really have to be mindful not to let all of that come inside and, and change and change your thoughts or change your direction. Right. That's a, that's a great word. And I, one of my mentors, John Lee Dumas, he, he has this saying that he repeats often. He, it's all about environment. It's all about who you hang out with. And he, he says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And um, that can that can sway you in a bad direction and in a awesome direction. So it's, it's just a thing to be mindful of uh, kind of keeping company with people that at least are in alignment with your vision, yeah. <laughs> if not encouraging it. Absolutely. Like your vision and your values. And, you know, when Stu and I um, got together, we've been married now 15 years, we've been together 20 years. And, you know, when we started dating, he, <laughs> he was always into this leadership personal development, surrounding yourselves with masterminds, like from like when he was like 19. And I, I, I was into it. Like I I would read Daniel Steele and, and I still do every now and again, but like I would read all these, you know, John Gresham and all these books. And then we would go to bed at night, like when we first got married and his side of the bed was all, you know, leadership and thought development and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then my side was like John Gresham and Daniel Steele and comics and like, all these things. And we would go on car rides and he would listen to this audiobooks or, you know, at that time, CDs, like yeah. but of all of that, you know, good stuff. And, and it took me like a couple of years. And then I'm like, maybe he's like onto something. And, and it was at a point too, where I was a bit disgruntled with teaching. And I just picked up one of the books that he was reading. And I'm like, it's amazing the change like that then happened within myself and, you know, and I always had this view that self-development books or leadership books were boring and I wouldn't enjoy them. And I didn't, I never really gave them a chance. Like I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't open to the possibility that it might be something that would help me. Um, so then I picked up one one night and now I'm like, we both listen to audiobooks and I enjoy fiction every now and again. Mostly when I'm on a plane and there's turbulence, I'll read Danielle Steele because it takes my mind off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's it's what you surround yourself with and what you're filling your brain with. And I think now there's just so many podcasts out there and so many books that, you know, taking the kids to school this morning, I had a podcast in my ear on the way back after I dropped them off. And there's so much opportunity and so many little bits of time that you could use to fill your brain with things that are you know, it makes you think a little differently and open up your mind to possibility of what could be. Yes, indeed. Hey, before we go, I want you alluded to one thing earlier in your story that really strikes me. Um, and it's, it's actually strikes me in a timely way because I'm, I'm just starting to think about this. You stated that <clears throat> over in, uh, I think it was Kenya that you build schools. Yeah. Um, and, and that, uh, I, you, you kind of, you kind of did a drive-by statement of uh, deriving some fulfillment, knowing that that goes on that schooling, that education, that gift to that country and that village goes on even when you're not there. Mm-hmm. And that's a legacy. 
and leaving a legacy. And I, I hope that those of us that are thinking about the great resignation and maybe taking a new direction in life, um, I hope we're thinking about that to adding that into the mix because it's such an opportunity. I mean, for those of us that have worked for corporations for a long time, um, we don't have many deposits in the legacy bank. And um, you are clearly building a legacy. And I just wonder if you could talk to talk to that a little bit. For sure. So, you know, it's funny. I, I wrote the book because I had so many people you know, come up to Stu and I after we had presented or myself and, and, and say to me, like, you know, I don't have X, Y, Z, or I don't know how to start a nonprofit, or I don't have, um, I don't have enough money to donate a classroom or, you know, all these obstacles they were putting up. And it used to drive me crazy because you don't, you know, you don't have to start a nonprofit. You don't have to start a charity. You don't have to run multiple businesses. Like that's the way that we've gone. And we really enjoy it. And that's that for us, but it's not for everybody. And you don't, and that's okay. Like you can still leave a legacy and still leave an impact without starting a nonprofit or building a school in Kenya or building a classroom. Like you, a legacy to me are the little things that we do every day that add up over time. So it's even like the pleases, you know, at Starbucks and just saying, thank you for your coffee or thank you for your tea. Like it drives me nuts when I see people that are, just don't take the time to say thank you or don't take the time to say please or open a door for somebody like all those little things don't cost anybody anything and it can change somebody's day. Like, you know, it's the please, the thank yous. It's, you know, it's even if you're interested in having more of an impact within your business, it's like sharing that with your community of staff or your community and talking about how can we make that happen and kind of interweaving it into your business where Maybe it's a percentage of sales or maybe it's your time. And as a community or as a staff, you go and you participate in a give back activity, or maybe it's sitting on a board of an organization that you feel drawn to or fills your bucket up a little bit. Like that's a way of giving back and leaving a legacy and having an impact too. Mm -hmm. I know um, what we do or what Stu does in one of our companies that has a lot more staff is they do a kind of a community give back and that every quarter they ask their um, they ask their staff to submit or to do a short video on their board meet on their meetings of an organization they want to support. So one of our this business that Sue runs called North Results, they actually fund our overhead of our nonprofit, number one. But the number two, they actually do quarterly give backs locally. So they have their staff submit organizations that they think would be benefit from support and to who to donate the money to and present it. And then the staff votes on who they're going to support that quarter. So they've had like soup kitchens. They've had a soccer team with shirts. Like they've had a whole bunch of stuff, but it's really neat because they're involving their community. Right. And when you build that connection and you involve the community, involve your staff in that, they want to be part of something. Everyone wants to be part of something that has an impact and it doesn't have to be a classroom. Like it it was soccer shirts for a soccer team the other month, I think like, but they're all, that's all important. Like that soccer shirt is just as important as the school. Like, there's no impact has no, um, how do you say it? Like no, 
it's all important. Do you know what I mean? There's no one that's better than the other. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of people get so stuck in thinking they have to create some big organization and you, you don't, you just don't like you can have an impact today. And it's those little things that you do that can, I mean, even in your personal life, we love to do mega surprises and we, again, because my passion is travel, we'll before COVID <laughs> we would surprise a family or even a stranger with a a plane ticket somewhere or, you know, take them on a trip or, you know, infuse that into our family life and our community too. And it's always connected to your passion because I really believe that like your passion is your purpose and what you love to do. It's then using what you love to do to leave more impact and to do more good in the world. I love the order of those. (laughs) That is awesome. Totally possible. And it, it can start today. It could start tomorrow. Like, Anyone can do it. That's a great message, Amy. Well, our time's about up for now, but I, I would like for our listeners to know how they can, A, get your book and, and B, get in touch with you. Yeah, for sure. So my book, Passion and Purpose, you can obviously order online on Amazon, but it is available at most um, Barnes and Nobles. Um, if you're listening from Canada, we have um, Indigo. <laughs> so Indigo's books are Coles. Any local bookstore has it. And even some airports, I've seen it at a couple of airports, right. which is fun. Um, and then of course, Amazon. And then if you also go to passiontopurposebook.com, you'll see that there. And if you want to connect, I'm most active on Instagram at um, Amy Dow is my maiden name. (laughs) Amy Dow McLaren um, is where you'll find me on Instagram. Thank you very much. And Amy, thanks for sharing your message today. It's one that uh, is impactful and has legacy. And I think those are two key points to all of us who are dreaming about what the next thing in life is. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Okay. Thanks so much, Amy. Thank you.